My wife is a lover of books, and she is a lover of words. And as she homeschooled my three children, every time one of the kids, as they progressed through school, would get to American history and the Gettysburg Address, Marilyn would begin to read the Gettysburg Address, and as she always does, even to this day, she begins to weep at the Gettysburg Address. The words that were written, the words that were spoken, have a powerful impact upon her heart. And it is, and that's what I love about her. She loves, she loves words, she loves books, but especially when words are crafted so well. And I, I get it. I, I understand. And this morning I'm going to be speaking on preaching. Why am I speaking on preaching is one question to be asked this morning. And the second is, why do you spend your Sunday mornings here listening to preaching? And the hope is, is that the words that come forth impact and affect your soul more importantly than the Gettysburg Address, that the words that are spoken have meaning to you beyond just the normalcy of words you use. And the interesting thing was, I was thinking as Devin was sharing this morning, and he said a number of things, there, there's a Christian vocabulary. There are Christian buzzwords. And we hear the same words over and over again. And, and they have meaning to us as, as Christians. They, they do have um, an impact upon us. But over time, they begin to lose some of their, their force. So you hear the words, you know, talk about our, seeing the precious face of our Savior. And maybe the first time you hear that, it, it brings a picture, a word picture to mind, and, and it affects you. But then over time, you keep hearing the same words over and over again. And after a while, they, they just, they're the same words over and over again. Interesting illustration. The minister's sermon on one particular Sunday was considerably longer than normal. Now, that's not a setup for my message. <laughs> However, it was so well prepared and inspiring that he just knew it would be a big hit with the congregation. At the end of the service, he stood shaking hands with people as they exited. One man paused and said, Preacher, your sermon was so invigorating and inspiring and refreshing. As the minister broke out in a big smile, the man completed his comment by adding, why, I felt like a new man when I woke up. <laughs> I, I do hope our preaching, as Devin and I preach and others stand in this pulpit, is more than that. Why, why preach? Why, why is there preaching on Sunday morning? Why do you come and listen? The, the reason we should and must listen to our local pastor preach is because truth in our day and age and in every day and age is constantly being attacked. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy. The reason we listen to sermons 
in our local church is because the culture around us is attempting to draw us away from God and to draw us away from us hearing God speak to us. Look at 2 Timothy, and we're going to begin in chapter 3. And I'm going to read quite a bit here, but it'll give you the larger picture. Beginning in verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, and know the background, Paul is in prison, Paul is just a few days away from being put to death. He is just a few days away, literally, of having his life ended. And so these final words, these last words written to his son in the faith, the young man who he has mentored and loved and prepared for ministry, who he is passing on the mantle of ministry to. These are his last words to this young man. He writes to Timothy and he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, you, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And here's where we'll be focusing this morning. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I charge you, Timothy, 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, Timothy, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul's charge to Timothy and to all pastors to preach the Word has not changed in 2,000 years. Although, sadly, today, many churches don't hold preaching in high regard. Even among evangelicals, preaching is coming under attack. Expository sermons supposedly no longer interest the churchgoer. Rather, The belief is they want to be entertained. They want short conversations. They want electronic stimulants to keep their attention. J.I. Packer said, Most modern hearers have never been taught to expect much from sermons, and their habit is to relax at sermon time and wait to see if anything that the speaker says will interest them, grab them as they might put it. George Barna who is an internationally well-known church consultant whose statistics and books and seminars have literally affected millions of Christians, believes that sermons have no root in Scripture. That the preaching of sermons, of God's Word, has no root in Scripture and actually detract from the church gathering. From one of his surveys, he came to this conclusion, 30 to 40 minute sermons don't work with busters. Doing a service which does not incorporate video and contemporary music for the most part does not work with these people. This is simply untrue and does not square with Scripture. Unfortunately, Barna's not alone. From the book Next Door, As It Is in Heaven, which overall is, is a really good book about reaching out to your neighbors. The author states this. Two men wrote this book and they, one writes, between the two of us, we have over 50 years of preaching experience. We have preached literally thousands of sermons, but we don't believe for a second that the most important moment each week is the weekly sermon. Such wrong-headed thinking as this keeps the everyday Christian off the playing field. It keeps Christians from seeing their calling as missionaries to the neighborhoods, as being every bit as, as high of a calling as the calling to preach in the pulpit. That is hogwash. That is hogwash. Today, many Christians find their spiritual diet online through a variety of speakers. They enjoy gift they enjoy these men who have a, a gifted ability to speak, to illustrate, to make them laugh, and and even when they do rightly expound on scripture, 
they miss the importance that sermons should be primarily given by the pastors of their local church. Hebrews 13.17 The writer of Hebrews says this with respect, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Local pastors, your pastors in your church will give an account. Devin and I will give an account for every person who is a member of Grace Church. And the preaching event, which some men don't believe are of great importance, is of the highest importance for Devin and I because that is the way we most effectively pastorally care for you. It is when we bring God's Word to you. Thankfully, Matt Chandler, who is the pastor of the Village Church in Texas, who is a gifted speaker and very theologically right on point, has tens of thousands, if not millions, of Christians viewing and listening to his messages that are available online. They do that weekly. But to Matt's credit, he shares with the viewer before each sermon, you can get online and watch. He tells them that his preaching is supplemental. Supplemental to their local pastor's preaching. And that they are not to consider the village church their local church or Matt to be their pastor. And to his credit, he tells them, to honor their local pastors and directs them back to their local pastors because he knows that their local pastors have been charged by God to preach the word and to care for their souls. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom preach the word. He is talking to Timothy, who is a local pastor. Timothy is a pastor at the church in Ephesus. So my proposition for you this morning is this. The purpose of listening to preaching is to submit our lives to the authority of God's word so that we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling in our local church. Listen, this online, I'm all for online sermons. I love to listen to Sinclair Ferguson, who I would never get to listen to and just spend hours listening to his Scottish accent as he exposits God's word in a way that most men cannot, or Alistair Begg, or John Piper, or other CJ. I, I, I love to do that, but those men are not my pastor. Those men do not care for my soul as your local pastors care for your soul. The purpose of listening to preaching in this local church is to submit your life to the authority of God's Word so that you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The claim of this passage that we have just read is for us is making a claim upon you this morning. And the claim is this. Put yourself under the authority of God's Word. Put yourself under the authority of God's Word that is inspired and that is preached by your 
pastors and put yourself under that authority so that each and every week when you stand and sit under God's Word, whether in worship or when we read the call to worship or there's a Scripture reading during our time of singing or primarily the preaching of God's Word, you come under that Word. You are to be examined by that Word. And its intended effect is that you are to experience reproof, rebuke, correction, teaching, and training in righteousness so that you can be a man or woman of God competent and equipped for every good work. One of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, says this. He says, Any true definition of preaching must say that that man is there to deliver the message of God. A message from God to those people. If you prefer the language of Paul, he is an ambassador for Christ. That is what he is. He has been sent. He is a commissioned person. And he is standing there as the mouthpiece of God and of Christ to address these people. In other words, he is not there merely to talk to them. He is not there to entertain them. He is there, and I want to emphasize this, to do something to those people. He is there to produce results of various kinds. He is there to influence people. He is not merely to influence a part of them. He is not only to influence their minds, not only their emotions, or merely to bring pressure to bear upon their wills and to induce them to some kind of activity. He is there to deal with the whole person. And his preaching is meant to affect the whole person at the very center of life. Preaching should make such a difference to a man who is listening that he is never the same again. Preaching, in other words, is a transaction between the preacher and the listener. It does something for the soul of man, for the whole of the person, the entire man. It deals with him in a vital and radical manner. Why do I preach? Why does Devin preach? I'll tell you why. Because I have an expectation that when you come here on Sunday morning, you want to hear from God. Why do you listen to preaching? Because I believe you have an expectation that you will hear from God. That you believe in hearing His voice through the preaching of His Word. He will shape you and He will transform you into the likeness of Christ. That is why we preach. Three main points this morning. The Word, the Preacher, and the Congregation. My three main points. The first one, the Word. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. Paul writes to Timothy, But as for you, continue, continue, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is Scripture. You have been acquainted with the Scripture. Continue in your learning of Scripture. Continue because why? Which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Let me tell you why you are to continue, Timothy. Why you are to continue, Grace Church. All Scripture is breathed out. 
by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Why preach? We preach because we believe the Word of God speaks. Our faith is grounded in the historic belief that God has always spoken and is speaking. From Genesis, when He spoke and existence, the creation came into existence, all the way to Revelation, God is speaking. God was speaking. God has spoken. And we believe God is still speaking today. Now, that is not new to you. Most of you probably have memorized 2 Timothy 3.16. You know that all Scripture is breathed out by God. But the enormity of that reality should weigh heavily upon you. Paul is saying, God is speaking to you now through his word and through his commissioned servants. God is speaking, the creator of the universe, the holy one, the majestic one, the glorious one, the savior of the world. God is talking to you. He's not silent. Heaven is not silent. Heaven never stopped speaking. God has always continued speaking. And He is speaking to you now. That, that, that There's an enormity to that. Don't, don't minimize that God speaks. Scripture is inspired. It is breathed out. It gives life. It gives fresh perspective and a God-centered view on our lives because it wants to reorient our life and allow us and help us to see life through God's eyes. And so God keeps speaking. He keeps talking to you through Scripture. He keeps informing you of the way to live. Why preach? Because God is speaking. It is, his word is alive and it is breathing and it is, it is working and transforming people. And as Isaiah prophesies, as he writes, it won't return void. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When God's word is spoken, when it is, it is being heard by you, something is being accomplished. It's not coming back empty. God is working in you. Romans 10 tells us that the word of God awakens faith in us and it continues to sustain faith in us. There is there's a heavenly value and power in God's word being spoken to you. Think about this. John 17, God's word sanctifies us. 2 Timothy 2, God's word frees us from Satan. John 8, God's word frees us from sin. 2 Peter 1, God's word empowers us to godliness. John 15, God's word gives us joy. Brothers and sisters, 
God's Word speaks loudly and it speaks boldly to us. Holy Scripture in and of itself is preaching. This is preaching. Yes, God has commissioned men to stand before you and exposit His Word. But all I'm doing is helping you see and hear what God is saying. God's preaching. That's what Scripture does. It preaches. And it preaches to edify us. It preaches to show us how to live. And on Sunday mornings, the biblical text is the real preacher. This morning, what's preaching to you is this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That's what God is speaking to you right now. He's saying, look, those words that were just read, that's me speaking to you. That's me talking to you. We're in conversation right now. The Word. Why preach? Because we preach inspired, God-breathed words so that you can live, so that you can prosper, so that you can be sustained in the midst of the trials and the sufferings that this world ravages upon us. That's why we preach. That's why we speak God's Word to you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to my word. Secondly, point two, the preacher. Paul gives this charge to Timothy in verse one of chapter four. I charge you, that, that there's a forcefulness behind this. This is not, hey, Timothy, suggestion. Hey, Timothy, consideration. No, no, Timothy, I charge you. And not only do I charge you, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and who will appear and you will see his kingdom. I charge you with those things in mind, Timothy. With those intensifiers standing there, Timothy. I charge you this. As a pastor, as a man of God, as those called to shepherd the flock of God, I charge you, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word to those you love and care for, those you shepherd, those you are called to protect and to feed. Timothy, preach the Word. The very Word I just told you came from heaven. The very Word I just told you God Himself spoke and breathed. Timothy, preach transforming truth. Preach the Scriptures, Timothy, that you have known from infancy through your mother and your grandmother and me. Timothy, this is how this is how you most effectively and this is how you most powerfully pastor the people of God as a good shepherd. Preach the Word. Why preach? 
This is, I do not believe this is an overstatement. There is no more important task that Devin and I have as your pastors than to preach the Word of God to you. No more important task. It is the most important thing we do. Look at the importance to which Paul places upon this task. In in the presence of God, he charges Timothy. Timothy, God is, is present in this sacred task. And in the presence of Christ Jesus, Timothy, the Word is alive. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Timothy, preach this Word. Because, Timothy, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And that word is, as Paul wrote earlier in verse 15, able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Timothy, stand before the people and preach the word. J.I. Packer said this, he said, the need for preaching live, in other words, not online, you know, not podcasts, The need for preaching live remains as great as it was 19 centuries ago. It is still supremely through preaching. That is through the impact on us of the message and the messenger together that God meets us and makes himself and his saving grace known to us. This is for the preacher, for Devin and I, a sacred calling, a sacred responsibility Look at what our preaching is to accomplish in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. Paul expounds, Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And what he means there is the charge to me and to Devin that regardless of where and when and regardless of whether you're going to like what we say or not, we're going to preach the Word. And it may not be comfortable for you, but we're going to preach the Word in season and out of season. And he goes on to say here, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Teaching and reproof. Now, this pairing in verse 16 refers to right doctrine. Reproof is is addressing doctrinal error. That is what, what Paul is after here. And teaching is to help you know and believe the truth. And that's 16a. And 16b, he goes on, for correction and for training in righteousness. This pairing refers to right living. So when we talk about Correction, God's word through preaching is to correct you when your behavior and your attitudes are wrong and to to help you understand the right way to live, to train you in righteousness. That's what preaching is supposed to do. That's what preachers are supposed to do. And it's why we preach both in season and out of season. Whether you are needing a rebuke, a reproof, just training, complete patience, we are there and we are called to do that. Timothy, preach the word. Earlier in 1 Timothy 5, Paul writes to Timothy, and this is Paul's 
This is Paul's elevation, his honoring of, of preaching. Verse 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, this is not a self-serving, let's honor Larry and Devin moment. No, what, what the point is, is Paul is saying, look, those who preach and teach, that is their highest responsibility. That is their most important responsibility. Honor that. Honor the preached word. Honor what is being spoken to you. But there's, a, there's another side to this. Great. Give double honor to those who are preaching and teaching. James lets us know, hey, pal, there's more to your preaching than that. Verse 1 of James 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That is a sobering and serious reminder to the responsibilities as preachers we have. That when we stand before you and we preach and we exposit what we believe is the content and context and history of God's Word at this moment for those people and then transfer it 2,000 years into the 21st century so you can bring application to it God judges us. He judges what we say. And we will stand under a stricter judgment. And so we take our responsibility seriously and soberly. We work hard to tell you not what we want to say, but what we believe God is saying to you in this passage. To expound God's thoughts, not our thoughts. We want you to learn from the passages that we speak what claim God is making upon your life because each and every passage does. It's got a claim. God's speaking. He's making a demand of you. He's making a claim upon your life and He is revealing the truth of that passage so you understand that claim and so that you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The job of this preacher and of that preacher is in, in many ways to stay out of God's way as the word is delivered to you. Now, one important note, preaching is not the only way God speaks to his people through his word. Every Christian is responsible to study and to learn and to listen and to memorize God and to hear God speaking through scripture. Psalm 119 is a perfect, a perfect example of extolling the importance of, of learning and knowing and loving God's Word personally, which is what we desire for every one of you. And Scripture, scripture memory is, is one way of doing that. I, I want you to know, a number of years ago when I was in Charlotte, I challenged the, the Sunday school class, the six-year-olds to the 11-year-olds, to memorize as much of Psalm 119 as they could over the coming year. Four children memorized the entire psalm, the youngest being six years old, and stood up on a Sunday morning and repeated the entire psalm. He hid God's word in his heart. And so personal study is 
crucial to your life as a believer, but of primary importance is this moment right here, right now. Not because I'm important, but because God is speaking to you. The Word, the preacher, and the congregation. You. In this letter to Timothy, Paul repeatedly references Timothy teaching those in the church at Ephesus. In 2 Timothy 1.11 through 14, 2.14 and 4, what we just read. In each epistle, as you read Paul's epistles to churches, all of those letters were spoken, were were spoken to a gathering of people. The congregation was together. Those letters weren't sent around to individual homes for people to read. The church gathered together so that the the Scripture, the Word, could be preached. Peter calls Paul's writings Scripture. And so this is what is taking place in Timothy's world. When 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 a letter comes from Paul... When a letter, the letter to the Ephesian church comes to the Ephesian church and is read, they're gathered together. They're doing this. They're meeting to hear from God. It's imperative. It's imperative that Devin and I preach. It's imperative that you listen. And that you, you, you can only do that by being here on Sunday mornings. Listen, there's there's something unique and supernatural and God-ordained. There is a a sacred anointing that takes place when we are gathered together to hear God's words preached. There is there's there's this holy moment. Remember, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. God is present among us. He is here attending to his word, making sure his word does not return empty, making sure it succeeds at what he he plans. There is a unique and sacred anointing when we are gathered together and we must gather together. Sunday mornings is where this takes place. And yes, you can catch up by listening online. But I can, I can promise you, it will not. It does not impact the same way. There's a unity that comes from gathering together as the church of God on Sunday morning and hearing and sitting under the authority of God's word together. It unites us in a way that nothing else will. Many English Protestants in past centuries believed that the most essential part of their worship time on Sunday morning was hearing God's word and responding to it in their lives. David Clarkson, a Puritan, from David Clarkson, who's a Puritan, he said this, the Lord engages himself to let forth, as it were, a stream of his comfortable quickening presence to every particular person that fears him But when many of these particulars join together to worship God, then these several streams are united and meet in one so that the presence of God, which enjoyed in private is but a stream in public, becomes a river, a river that makes glad the city of God. 
The Lord has a dish for every particular soul that truly serves him. But when many particulars meet together, there is a variety, a confluence, a multitude of dishes. In other words, a feast when you gather together. The presence of the Lord in public worship makes it a spiritual feast. J.I. Packer believes that preaching is the climax of congregational worship. I would fully agree. So when we gather as the church to hear God's word, brothers and sisters, when you, when you make the effort and take the time to come here on Sunday morning, you are, you are uniting the church. You are bringing the church together by your efforts to sit under God's word. We, we are being united. We are being strengthened. In Nehemiah 8, and I... I want to read this to you. Nehemiah 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses so that the Lord had... that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the high priest brought the law before the assembly. <clears throat> Excuse me, sound familiar? Both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. You have it good here. You should be grateful. <laughs> from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for that purpose. And all these men stood beside him, and I'm not going to name them all. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. In other words, they, they sat under literally God's word. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces. Here, God's word is being read. Here, they are sitting under God's word, and they're worshiping. They're bowing before the Lord. They're putting their faces on the ground. And then these men helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And all the people afterwards went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Look at the importance of gathering together. It unites us. It brings us into worship. But brothers and sisters, we're, more, we're called to more than just gather together. We're called to listen and to obey what has been spoken. To respond to the preaching of God's Word. Sometimes that's not always easy. Being taught is not hard, but when Scripture brings a rebuke to you, or a reproof to you, or corrects you, that's not always easy. 
Mark Twain said this, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. <laughs> Rosaria Butterfield, a woman whose life was dramatically transformed from a homosexual lifestyle to where now she's married to a pastor and loves the Lord. She wrote this, brilliant woman, college professor. She said, I came to believe that my job was not to receive and critique a sermon, but to dig into it, to seize its power, to participate with its message, and to steal its fruit. I learned by sitting under Ken Smith's preaching that the easily offended are missing the point. J.I. Packer said this, he said, Scripture always summons us to be different in some spiritually significant way and to remain different whatever pressure is put on us to give in to unspiritual ways. When we sit and we listen to a sermon, our responsibility, brothers and sisters, is not to examine the preacher. And it is not to examine the passage, but to be examined by the passage. That is why you come on Sunday morning. That is why you listen to the preaching of God's Word, so that you can hear God speak as He examines you. And when He examines you, something is going to happen. You are going to be reproved. You might be corrected. You might be trained in righteousness. You might just experience teaching. You might be rebuked. You might be exhorted. It might be some of those things. It might be one of those things. It might be all of those things. You're having a bad day and you need it. Okay. But that's why you come. When we sit and listen to a sermon, our responsibility is to examine and allow the Word to examine us. Isaiah 66, 5 says, we are to tremble at His Word. Tremble. Do you tremble when the Word is preached? Are you in anticipation that God is going to say something to me this morning? Or are you evaluating me? Or Devin? Or who's ever up here? Wondering... Is he going to make me laugh? Is he going to make me interested? No. You should come in trembling with the idea that God will speak. God will examine. I will listen. And I will change. Why preach? Why do we preach? We preach, brothers and sisters, to preserve your souls and to immerse you in God's glorious truth. And that's a privilege that we have that is indescribable and it is a joy for us to do. So application. The Word, the preacher, and the congregation. How do we apply this? Number one, guard your attendance at this gathering. This is one of those, I don't know if this is going to reprove you, this is going to rebuke you, this is going to exhort you, it's going to encourage you, but let me say this, there should be a very short list of the reasons why you miss a Sunday meeting. There should be a very short list of the reasons why you miss a Sunday meeting. 
There are only 52 times a year we gather together to hear God's Word preached. Our highest priority of the week honestly should be coming to sit under God's Word as He speaks to us and examines us. Now, this is not legalism. It's love. Secondly, come expect it, ready to tremble at His Word and be examined by it. And thirdly, pray for your pastors and pray for yourself. Prepare for Sunday on Saturday. Just five minutes on Saturday night. God, help Larry. Help Devin. Help them preach and help me to hear and help me to listen and help me. You you can be a listener without being a hearer. You hear, you watch people, they're nodding as you're talking, but you wonder if they've actually heard what you say. Let's not be the James one looking at ourselves in a mirror, God's word, and forgetting what we look like after God's mirror has showed us who we really are. Let me end with this encouragement, exhortation from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. I'll start a little bit earlier. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, and this is scripture that he spoke to them, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children and they they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word... You shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. It is no empty word because God is speaking. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Thank you for the words of scripture and life that you give us. Lord, thank you that you are still speaking today and we can hear your voice. Lord, examine us this morning. Help us to know what you are after, what claim you are making. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.